Radio Sport Mornings with Jason Pine. Well, we're going to chat regularly this year with Dr. Simon Walters, PhD. He's Head of Department for Coaching Health and PE at AUT. And we'll chat to uh, Dr. Walters regularly about some of the very interesting research that they are involved in. We welcome him in for the first time in 2020. Thanks for taking the time in what I know is a very busy day for you, Simon. You're currently involved in some research with the Auckland Cricket Association and New Zealand Cricket around the type of players who are being identified for their talent at an early age in cricket and what that might mean for cricket at a senior level. Now, it's a bio-banding project, so can you firstly explain to us what bio-banding is? Yeah, sure. uh, Bio-banding is basically when we look at um, young people and we group them together based on their growth and maturation. So to to put it simply, we're all aware of the growth spurts that um, uh, kids go through, especially at ages 12 to 14. And you you can see a big hairy beast boy at the age of 13, and his mate uh, just looks like a a tiny little sort of primary school kid, but they're exactly the same age. Um, What it means in relation to sport is that we can do some measures to identify what we call the late maturing kids and the early maturing kids, and we can group them together so they can have more even competitions and also um, there's an implication for skill development. And what it means for talent ID and selection, and this sort of um, explains some of the research that underpins the recent decisions in some sports to, to, to do away with their representative tournaments at under 13 and under 14 uh, age group is because basically they're, they're picking players predominantly based on their size and strength and maturation as opposed to their potential and their talent. So we're interpreting talent based on um, strength and uh, maturation as opposed to a, a actual cricket talent or, or rugby talent or whatever sport we're referring to. So in that case then, if we're to, to heed some of these findings or to, to make best use of these findings, is it, is it uh, the best road forward for sports to basically do away with any kind of, of rep team or any kind of selection of, of elite teams uh, where, as you've said, the research shows that they're just picking the bigger kids? Yeah, I, I think that I think what the pilot that we've done with Auckland Cricket, which is... Um, uh, underpinned by New Zealand cricket, they want to want to have a look at because if we're going to do away with these rep tournaments, we've got to replace them with something. Uh, and I know I've heard a lot of the feedback on your show when when, when the rep tournaments we've, have been taken away. Well, people are going, well, you know, what's been done instead of, instead of this? So what Auckland cricket did, they they set up a three day camp for um, their under thirteen age group, uh, and the kids by the time they got there, they were aged twelve to thirteen. But there was, there was only a one-year uh, span uh, covering them. And there were 65 kids who came to the camp. Uh, and this sort of replaced a... This is their idea on to replace a, a rep tournament. So they came to the camp, 65 uh, kids. There were eight uh, highly skilled cricket coaches there. And they, and they were put into groups of eight. And they rotated around um, skill stations where, where they, they'd move from coach to coach. They, they'd do a game-based skill development um, activity and then they'd move on to the next one. I, at the same time, on day one, we, we were measuring them and um, putting them into... We were doing the bio-banding, putting them into, into bands based on their maturation. 
So at the end of day one, we, we regrouped them into the early maturers and the uh, late maturers. So on, on day two, they were put into new groups and group one was, was the early maturers. And it, it was quite amazing for me to see, see the, the difference in, in size between these boys. So bearing in mind that they're age 12, uh, some of them just, just turned 13, the, the tallest lad was just under six feet tall uh, and the smallest one was four feet eight, four feet nine. So, so basically, um, when we put them into their, their biobanding groups, they then circulated around these, these skill stations, but they were working with people of, of similar strength and size. And uh, then they were put into a sort of T20-type competition on the final day where they played against teams that, that were banded together. So what we noticed was that we, we captured a huge amount of data and we're still going through that. But the, the difference in, in what they can do from a, from a fielding, batting and bowling perspective was extraordinary given that they're the same age. So the, we measured their throws. The, the kid who threw the furthest threw 57 meters and then a number of kids weren't reaching 30 meters. So you've got kids of the same age, really, that there's almost a 30-meter difference in the distance that they can throw a ball. Now, at that age, they're playing on 45-meter uh, boundaries. So for the bigger kids, that's, that's easily achievable, a throw-in from the boundary uh, into the stumps. For, for the smaller kid, they're not, they're not going to reach there. So if, you, if you're selecting a team and you're looking at fielding capability, th those little kids... I, well, the late maturers are never going to get selected uh, if you look at it from a fielding perspective. But what we noticed from a batting perspective as well was that we uh, captured all the batting data, a bit like you see when you're watching the T20s, or I shouldn't mention that at the moment. Um, but it, you see the sort of the, the chart of where, where the players are hitting their shots and where they're scoring their runs and the boundaries. What we saw for the, for the bigger kids, the early maturers, they, they were playing a lot of strength shots. They, they were the drives. Uh, down the length of the field, uh, hitting boundaries, uh, sixes straight straight down the pitch. Whereas the the smaller kids were hitting less boundaries, but they, they weren't playing any drives. They, they were basically playing different strokes, different shots. So the only boundaries they were hitting were really on the square side, where they could use the pace of the ball, put their whole body uh, weight behind it, and, and move it out towards the boundary. Or, or they were working shots behind the stumps. So. So what that means again from a, a, you know, a development of talent is you've got kids at the same age playing the same game, game but they're playing differently, uh, developing different shots and different strokes. And then we saw the difference in the bowling as well with the speed of the bowling. Uh, what we did at the end, we interviewed the kids and we interviewed the coaches as well just to see how they found the experience. And what, what the kids said to us was overwhelmingly they, they really enjoyed it, but for different reasons. So the early maturers, the bigger kids, were saying to us, we interviewed 18 of the 65, they said that they found it really challenging, they couldn't rely on, on their pace to dominate uh, or their strength to, to score fast and score big. They had to work really hard, it was quite challenging for them, uh, but it was rewarding and, and they really enjoyed that aspect of it. The little kids said that they would use the words like, this is the first time I haven't felt intimidated, I didn't feel scared and they got um, really good knocks with a bat, and they felt that they were, they were having a really, really good game, and um, they were totally engaged in it. So from, from both ends of the scale, you were basically uh, getting positive feedback from, from the kids. 
if it had been a rep tournament, those those little kids wouldn't have been there in the first place. But what we learn from a maturation point of view is just because they're not the they can't throw as far and bowl as fast now and hit as far, that doesn't mean that when they catch up they won't be able to. So there's implications for you know why would you select rep rep teams at that age? You know if, if we know that this is this is occurring. Such interesting findings, and not really surprising when you lay it out that way, Simon. So what does this mean then in terms of just your everyday Saturday morning uh, junior cricket? Because we know in, in rugby and rugby league, these grades are often weight-based for obvious reasons in a, in a physical yeah. collision sport. That doesn't happen in cricket. Given your findings, should it happen in cricket? I, I think this is a pilot, and we're going to meet with the, with the cricket guys to talk about it, and the other sports are interested in what's happening here because they're all looking at the representative structures. I, I think, you know, we're, we're working with one, one age group here, the under-13s, but there's a guy called Dr. Sean coming who um, basically New Zealand cricket approached when they first identified. They, they thought they had a problem, and they looked at their uh, national under-17 tournament size and their uh, national under-19 squad. They felt that they were all these early maturers, and, and when, we, when they were measured, that, that was the case. What what Sean Cumming has found when he's he's doing a similar study in the UK with Premier League academies is that this biobanding can be grouped over uh, a three-year age span. So you might have 11-year-olds playing with 14-year-olds. You might have an early mature 11-year-old playing with a um, a late mature 14-year-old because they're they're physically uh, maturing at, at the same rate. They're about the same size and strength. What what it what kids like, though, is also playing with their mates and playing with their own age group. And, and some kids, although they might be physically developed, and this is slightly different for girls as well, um, if they're physically developed, they could potentially physically play uh, up with older kids that psychologically that they're not quite ready for it and technically they, they might not be ready. So I think there's space for, for keeping the age group stuff that we do. But uh, I, I think that when you bring them together in camps like cricket have done, there's your opportunity to be a little bit more experimental in the, in the work that you're doing and uh, you can do a little bit more with them based on their uh, size and maturation. So I wouldn't do away with the, the age group stuff because kids like being with their mates, playing with their mates, and, and that's really important. But um, you know, when you're bringing these skill development camps uh, and bringing them together for extended periods of time, you've got them in a, in a, in a nice concentrated place. You can possibly do a little bit, little bit more with them and develop their skills a little bit more than a, your, your classic reps tournament would when it would be about winning and hitting the ball as hard as you can, scoring as fast as you can, and it wouldn't be so much about skill development. Mm. What's your gut feel, Simon, on when the equalisation should happen? When, you know, if we went down a track that you're suggesting of uh, in these skills camps uh, doing it by maturation levels, um, at some point, obviously, everybody's going to have to uh, go into a competitive environment. At what age is that? 15, 16, older? Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's a really good question. You know, this this is early days with this with this research. You, you you still need that competition. Yeah, the competition is important. But what I noticed in the camp was that on on the final day there was a T20 competition, and um, it was competitive. You know, that there was no prizes. It wasn't representative or anything. But you, you still got that competitive element. Yeah, I, I would say as, as kids are developing and as they move into youth and they're still developing. There's space to be doing this type of stuff, um, you know, because you're going to you're going to enhance the skill development. You're going to be able to do more as coaches. Uh, as soon as you focus on winning that game, 
you're narrowing down the skill development. You're, you're getting kids to do w- what they're good at and and possibly not develop the full skill set. Uh, cricket see their sport as as a late maturer sport, so th- they they believe that you know it 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 is the late maturers that come through. So so I think the longer you can extend that, uh, but possibly you do it alongside the the, the representative competitions as you maybe get into under 16 and under 17, that there's space to be doing this. But, but I, I do think it's a, it's a better way of enhancing skill, uh, giving coaches the scope to focus more on technique development. And then you bring that competition alongside it is, is the way to go, I think. So I don't think it's an either or. I, I think there's, there's room for both. Really interesting, Simon. Thanks so much for taking the time to, uh, to join us on Radio Sport and, uh, and give us some of your, uh, your findings. We look forward to catching up on a regular basis right across the year. Yeah, appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Thanks, Jason.